Amen. Are you ready this morning? Well, we're going to be in the Old Testament, specifically Judges chapter 7. It's a story about a man named Gideon. Depending on your version, it may say uh, Jerubbabel. But Gideon had an incredible uh, encounter with God, had an incredible relationship with God. But I also say that Gideon had a walk that I think most of us can agree with because it wasn't easy and there were challenges all along the way. God's first uh, encounter with Gideon, or vice versa, is that uh, Gideon was afraid. He's actually threshing wheat and trying to get rid of the chaff in the middle of a wine press because there's uh, an invading army around them that's been taking all their stuff, and he's afraid, and he doesn't want his stuff taken, and he doesn't want to be captured, and so he's hiding. And God shows up, and he says to him while he's hiding and being afraid, and he says, Mighty warrior... (laughs) And, and I hope that you realize that God says that about you as well. And, and the great part is that you don't have to feel it. Because what God says is true, right? What God says is true. He never tells a lie. He never fibs. He never stretches the truth. What he says is true. But that doesn't mean that at that moment, that at that very time you feel like it, or that that is you at the moment. And we see later that, yes, Gideon becomes exactly what God said, but in that moment when he's hiding in the wine press, he's not a mighty warrior. He doesn't feel like a mighty warrior. But all of that can change as we trust God. Now, we've all faced difficulties. We've probably all got big stories and, and bad stories and hard stories. And the great common denominator in all of this is God. But I also want to say this morning, right from the get-go, that part of the issue that we face this morning is that we want it easy. We want things to be nice. We want it to be wrapped up. We want that hallmark moment where the whole story and all the bad stuff, it all gets wrapped up in 30 minutes and we have a happy ending. But if you read the Bible, you find out that there are a lot of stories that don't end up with a happy ending. But it doesn't mean that God isn't good. And it doesn't mean that God's promises won't come through. And it doesn't mean that God hasn't remembered what you've walked through. And it doesn't mean that you haven't laid the foundation for future generations to follow behind you and find the greatness of God. It doesn't mean that God's forgotten you. It doesn't mean that He put bad things in your path. But we still have difficulties that we're designed to overcome. He never said it was going to be easy. And so this morning, I've, I've painted this sign that's really a mathematical equation. And if you are bad at math, then I'm going to help you this morning. Okay? Uh... I was bad at math. I don't know that I've gotten much better. But I remembered it because I had a teacher that took pity on me. Because this means greater than. Instead of having to write out greater than. And the way that I could remember that, because if you see the opposite, if you flip this over, it means less than. But how a teacher reminded me of this is that this is the hungry alligator that always eats the bigger thing. Okay? So whatever, this, whatever the hungry mouth is eating is greater than. Now here's my question for you, for your faith, for your life, for your marriage, for your kids, for your work. Is God greater than whatever comes on this side? Because make no mistake this morning, church, 
He's greater than me. He's greater than you. He's greater than all the earth. He's greater than every politician. He's greater than every law. He is greater than all. But that doesn't mean we always feel that way. Have you ever felt like, where's God? You ever felt like, I mean, be honest. You don't have to answer this money, but be honest. You ever felt like, if God's really God, why is he not helping me through this? If God's really God, why did grandma have to die? If God's really God, why did my parents break up? If God's really great, then why? And we've got a lot of those questions. But our questions don't diminish the fact that God is greater. It doesn't matter how we feel about it or even how we think about it. Even worse, it doesn't matter what we see. As we're going to read through this story, Gideon was faced with a lot of fears. Gideon is also the man where if you've ever read this story, he didn't feel like he could trust God. God said, I want you to do something. Gideon said, I want to test this. He's like, if you really want me to do this, I'm going to lay out a fleece, a piece of sheepskin, and I want you to make the ground all around it wet, but leave the fleece dry. And guess what God did for him? God was patient. God was kind. And he did exactly what Gideon asked. Isn't that amazing? And you'd think, oh man, A, you're talking to God and God's responding. That's pretty impressive. You'd think, I could trust him. But no, not Gideon. So then the next day he gets up and checks, and sure enough, all the ground's wet with dew except for the fleece. So then you know what he says? Okay, God, if you're still really God, tomorrow when I wake up, I want the fleece to be wet and I want the ground to be dry. And guess what happened? The exact thing he asked for happened. And I wish I could say that because of that, that he was filled with incredible trust and the greatness of God. But Gideon doubts all the time, just like you and me. No matter that God did these signs, no matter that God showed up for him, no matter that God talks to him, he still struggles with that insecurity. But we have to get into our mind just even the mathematical formula that God is greater. Okay? And we'll see it through the story. I I mean, I don't expect you to believe me at face value. But we're going to read this story that you could probably insert your name into this, whatever battle, whatever situation, and the end result will still come out the same. So let's go through this together. Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, all the people who were with him, they were rose early and they encamped beside the well of Herod. So that the camp of the Midianites, that's their enemy, was on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, now get this, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midians into their hands. Or Israel will claim the glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now listen what he's saying. Now, if you haven't read up to this point, the Midianites are a huge amount of people. They're not giants. But it said that their numbers were like grains of sand that couldn't be counted, that their camels just seemed to cover all the horizon. Their tents just seemed to go on forever and ever and ever. They were a huge band of people that were facing Gideon and his group. And yet, here's God saying, you've got too many people. I want to make this a little more difficult, not so that you're fearful. I want to make this more difficult 
so that you learn to trust me. And so I'm going to point you at a big enemy, a big problem, a big struggle, not so that you will feel weak and helpless, but so that you will understand that with me and me being great, you can accomplish great things. Do you see where I'm going this morning? Can you trust him with the big things in your life? Or do you think like you have to handle it? Because what happens is, just like what's happening here, God even knew it. He said, if I let you go against them, you're going to say, we beat the Midianites. Even if they declared, God, oh God, look at what you did for us. In their hearts, God knew they would claim the victory. They would claim the glory. And they'd say, yeah, look what we did to them. Look how I overcame that. And now, when we are trusting only in our own strength, it keeps us timid and it keeps us pulling back from doing big things because when something feels out of control, we don't feel secure. And I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but we are shrinking back as a nation from big challenges. We're shrinking back. I mean, it's going to sound mean maybe, but we're at the point where we've got people that aren't even sure they can get their driver's license. It's fearful. It's a struggle. What if I fail? And if that's you, God is greater than your fear. God is greater than all that. And, and is it a requirement to have a, a license? No. But when I was a kid, that was something I couldn't wait. I was tired of riding my bike everywhere I went. How about you? I couldn't wait to get it. It was exciting. I didn't see it as something huge and fearful. It was going to be a pain. Yeah, and what if I fail? Then you do it again. But guess what? I had never driven a car before. Not sure I can stay in a relationship. I'm not sure I can finish school. I'm not sure I can manage a job. I'm not sure God is here to declare that He is great and can lead you and guide you and make you victorious if you'll stick with Him. But yes, you're going to face some things that feel too big for you. That's just life. That's how our faith grows. And so God says, we're going to change the dynamics here. I'm not going to let you get into this fact. And, and here's the thing. It's not that God is jealous at this point. No, He is a jealous God, jealous for us. But He understands what will happen in their hearts, that as soon as they begin to believe they can do it without Him, they will do it without Him. It's the same thing that happens to you and me. The areas of our life that we can control really well, we don't invite God into those areas because we don't really need Him. But we still do whether we know it or not. We need God in our everyday decisions. We need God when we're raising our kids. We need God to stay in our marriages. We need God to help us with our money. We need God to be good co-workers. And you may know your job inside and out, but is God in the midst of you creating an atmosphere where there can be greatness? Or are you just going through the motions because you can control the outcome? And like I said, just prepare for this because you and I both know we don't like it when we can't control the outcome. Many of us, even if you're not a type A person, you struggle with control in your life. You don't like feeling like you're out of control. But I'm also here to tell you this morning that control is an illusion. You really can't control anything. And that should free up some space to go, thank God I don't have to keep all this going. Thank God I don't have to keep 
juggling all those balls and everything keeps keep adding another one and another one and another one and pretty soon I'm tired and I'm worn out and I'm stressed and, and I'm saying, where are you, God? And he's like, right here where I've always been. Why don't you hand me a few of those? Well, but what if you don't do it like I want you to do it? God is great. What if you don't do it in the time frame that I need? God is greater. What if you don't turn it out the way I want it to be turned out? I want it to be wrapped up. Well, God is greater. Let's read the story. Here we go. I don't want you to be able to claim the glory, not because I'm worried about not having glory, but he knows what will happen in their hearts. Verse 3. Now, therefore, I want you to proclaim in the hearing of all the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And listen to this. How many left? 22,000 people. Look at 22,000 people in that army were afraid. They were following Gideon because they thought Gideon had it all together. And yet when God says, hey, just tell anybody that's afraid, let them go home. They knew what they were up against. But notice, he's like, you're afraid? Go ahead, just pack up your stuff and go. And 22,000 people left. And only 10,000 remained. And Gideon's thinking, okay, at least we still got 10,000. With 10,000 with God, I think we can do that. But the Lord said to Gideon, you still got too many people. Now again, I don't think that he, Gideon felt that he still had too many people. He probably didn't even feel comfortable with the 22,000. Right? So he's got less than half now, right? There's only 10,000 left. Right? Now remember, I'm not so good at math. <laughs> 22,000 left. That leaves him with less than half of what he had, right? And God's still saying, you've got too much. So here's how we're going to determine it. We're going to figure out. Those that remain that said that they're still uh, brave enough to do this battle, those that are willing to follow me, here's what I need you to do. I want you to bring them down to the water, and I'm going to test them for you. Isn't that nice that God's doing the test? Huh? Look at this. God says, you call the people, I'll set it up. God said, I'm going to bring you to this place, and I'll set it up for you. I want, I'll send you to the place, I'll send you the people, I'll send you this stuff. And now you've got too much, and now I'm even going to test these people for you, so you know who to take forward with you instead of just guessing. Because I know if it was me, we would have just had a weird game of like Red Rover, Red Rover, and we would have figured out who could make it and who couldn't. But that probably wouldn't have been a very good test. Here's how it works. You bring them down to the water, I'll test them. And it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, that same shall go with you. And of the one that I say, this one will not go, those ones won't go. It's like, whew, isn't that nice? I mean, I wish I had that as a leader. They'll say, hey, it, I'm not saying you need to go, it's God. I'm not saying you have to stay, it's God. But here's what happens. Gideon trusts God, brings the people down to the water, verse 5. And the Lord says to Gideon, he's only talking to Gideon, isn't this amazing? Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you're going to set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. So what he's saying here is those that dip into the water and 
and drink from their hands. Those people you sit over here and those that get down on their knees and drink the water, you put them on the other side. Got it so far? So we got the dog lappers and the bow downers, right? Okay? Now which one are you this morning? You're the dog licker or are you the bow downer? Because in my mind, I know who I would pick. I would pick the people that bow down. That sounds very spiritual, right? We want the people that are worshipers. We want the people that bow down before God. Those are the people we should pick. We want the bow downers. But you know what God says? Watch. And the number of those who lapped or licked up the water by putting their hands to their mouth was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, and, and I, again, we've got the story. But who do you think Gideon was hoping he would choose? Come on, be honest this morning. If you've only got 10,000, right? And you're bringing them down to test them. And you see that there's only 300 of the dog lickers. And the rest are all bow downers. Who are you hoping that God picks? The bow downers, right? All right, we're together on this. Lord said to Gideon, From the 300 men who lapped like a dog, I will save you and deliver the Midianites. And Gideon said, oh man. He didn't really say that, but I think he really did. He just didn't, it just wasn't recorded. Let all the people go, every man to his place. How do you think that the dog lickers felt when all the rest of them left? All right, what did we get ourselves into? I knew I should have drank the other way. <laughs> I knew I should have followed the crowd. I knew it. And from a simple, I mean, nobody would have thought about that test, right? Nobody would have figured that out. We would have figured some other way. Okay, who's good with weapons? Who's good with this? Who's a, who's a good military guy? Who's a good... No, we're going to watch how you drink water. How do you know when God's testing you? You may think, I'm just going to get some water. How do you know when God is testing? Because Gideon didn't say, hey everybody, there's a test coming up. We're going to watch how you drink water. He just said, we've been out here in the sun for a while. We've been waiting on God. God says we can go down and get something to drink. Go drink. How do you know when God's testing you? Did the people know they were being tested? They just did what came natural to them, right? But in those things, in our natural ways, I believe God sees something we don't see. And it didn't mean that those people were weaker. It didn't mean that they were wrong and they had to go to remedial water drinking school. None of that. But God was looking for something that Gideon couldn't see. God was looking for something in the 300 that they probably didn't even know anyway. Why is it that only 300 did it? I don't know. But I also know 
that God sees in us what we can't see in ourselves. And every day of our life, there may be a test that we don't even realize is happening. Every day, God may be lining us up saying, okay, now's the time I'm going to use you. No, this time I'm not going to use you. And that's okay, however God wants to do it. But just realize that God is watching everything we do. Don't think of it like, oh, he saw me do such some bad thing. He sees the common things. There was nothing wrong with the way they were drinking water, but he had a specific thing he was looking for. And there's been many stories about this. But the Bible doesn't allude to it. And I've heard preachers talk about, well, the ones that got down on their hands and knees, they took their eyes off the battle. Well, maybe that's it. And the ones that brought the water up, they're still looking for the enemy. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But the reality is God wanted to winnow this down so that he got the glory and Gideon had to trust him. doesn't matter what the other stuff was, right? You can use your imagination however you want it to be. We can, we can think about it and we can add to it, but the Bible doesn't say why he was looking for the dog lickers. He didn't say that. Because in our mind, like I said, we'd probably be looking for the bow-downers. But God wasn't looking for the bow-downers. And if I could extrapolate that out, I'd probably say he's not looking for the bow-downers. He's looking for those that are doing it differently. Because if they'll bow down to that, what else will they bow down to? Remember the story of Daniel and Meshach and Radshach and Abednego? They had a case of dealing with having to bow down or not. And what did God choose then? He told them not to bow down. And everybody else was bowing down. And I don't know if there's a comparison, a kickback in this story to that or not. But what I will say is this. God's looking for something that we usually aren't looking for. He sees things we don't see. And that's what's important is that we trust God that He's seen what He needs to see, not what we see. You see? Let's move on. 300 now. Verse 8, so those people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands. And by the way, you know what God told them to take? No weapons, a trumpet and a gourd or a flask. Sounds like another stupid plan by God to get us really massacred. And yet, here we are. They took their provisions, they took their trumpets, and he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And it happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, said to Gideon, Arise, go down against the camp at night, for I have delivered them into your hands. And this is the power of God. Look at what he says. But if you're afraid to go down, you just go down to the camp with Pura, your servant. If I'm not going to force you. I'm a good God. I know you have doubts. And it's funny that he speaks right to the very thing that Gideon's struggling with. Of course he's afraid. Who wouldn't be afraid? God said, if you're afraid and you still don't trust me, you think I've made a mistake, go down into the camp. 
Take your servant with you so that you've got somebody to verify what you see and hear. Look it. You're going to go down and you shall hear what they say. That's going to be important. Remember this. You're going to hear what they say. And afterwards, God is telling him exactly what's going to And afterward, your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Now, that's a funny way of saying, I'm going to shore up your scared heart and you're going to have no problem trusting me. So God dealt with Gideon in a very gentle way. I thought he could have just said, no, it's just you, Gideon. I'm sending everybody else home. But he didn't. And he could have said, put away that childishness and quit being so afraid. Just go. I told you to go. But he didn't. He's like, you're the guy that kept asking for fleeces. I'm going to give you some courtesy. He went down with his servant to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. Remember, God told them, I want you to go down and hear, right? But unfortunately, we have eyes, and so does Gideon. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east were in the valley as numerous as locusts. Now we don't have locusts here, but you think about a bazillion locusts that would come through the Middle East and just wipe out crops and basically take everything out of the way so that nothing was edible anymore. As numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number. As the sand by the seashore in multitude. Is that a lot? So they, they are up on this hill. They come up and they peek over into the camp. And as far as they can see is people and tents and camel and soldiers, and more people, and tents, and camels, and soldiers, as far as they can see to the edge of the horizon. But Gideon kept going. And now, remember, God didn't tell him to go look. God told him to go listen. And when Gideon had come there, was a man telling a dream. Come on, don't just read the story this morning, church. How did Gideon know to go to the right tent? I mean, were him and Pura going, I mean, what, how did he know? He didn't have to know. It didn't matter which tent he picked. God was going to let him see what he needed to see, Right? Isn't that the beauty of it? That he didn't have to say, you've got to find tent number five and find a man named... And you've got to show up by 11 o'clock. I mean, God doesn't need to do any of that. God can do what He do because He is greater, church. Look at this. He comes to this place and there's a man telling a dream to his companion. He's just listening outside the tent. And look at what he hears. Now, remember what he saw? Unlimited resources, a huge, vast army mounted against him. But here's what he hears. I've had a dream. And to my surprise, a loaf of barley bread, which is like cheap bread, small oat bread, tumbled down into the camp of Midian. And it came to a tent and it struck it so that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. 
And his buddy said, you must have had too much pizza before you went to bed. What kind of dream is that? Now, if it had just stopped there, would Gideon have thought, let's go do it? Nope. Isn't it funny that God gave one man a dream and gave his buddy what the dream meant? Can God work through the lives of unbelievers? He just did right here, didn't he? Isn't that amazing? God is greater, church. What happens? Then his command, companion said, I know what that means. This is nothing but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Notice there's an exclamation point. He's getting excited. This, that means Gideon's coming. And he used his name. He didn't just say, oh, somebody's coming against us. Gideon's coming. This can only mean that Gideon's coming. And in his hands, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. Now, wouldn't you feel good if you had heard that? After what you just saw? And that's what I want to make the biggest point here is, church, we've got to stop going by sight and live by faith. Yes, it seems like things are tough. Yes, it seems like things are getting harder and darker and that things may not be going our way, but God has never asked us to trust what we see. He trusts us to follow what we've heard. What has He said to you? What has He said to you and I? He is greater and we will find Him. He is greater who is in me. Now what He says? Than He who is in the world. And it doesn't matter what you see. What matters is what you've heard. And Jesus himself. Greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. John the Baptist that saw Christ and said, Behold the Lamb of God. When all of his disciples left and he's wondering what's the deal, he said in John 3.30, He must increase. He must get greater, and I must decrease. And so for that mathematical equation, I have to remove me being greater, because that's what we want. We want control. I want to be greater, and whatever's on that side, I want it to be less than me. But when John comes along, he said, no, he must be greater. He must get more and more, and I must get lesser and lesser and lesser. Now, we don't like that, and that's just our human nature, but as we glorify God, as we allow Him to be great, God does great things. Whenever we're in His spot, we do minimal things, because we're bound by our own ability and natural strength and timing. But when we put Him in the greater than spot, all things are possible. When we put Him in the greater than spot, we don't have to worry about what we see. We don't have to worry about how we feel. We don't have to worry about the tests that are going on. God is greater and He takes care of all of that. What happens? He hears the dream. He hears the interpretation this is Gideon. He's, he's coming to, to, to kill us. He's going to take over the whole camp. Verse 15. And so it was that when Gideon, what? Heard. 
Now look at he had already seen, but now when he heard, something happened. When he heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, that he worshipped God. Look at that. He's in the enemy camp that's so huge that nobody in their right mind would say, go for it, get in, just do it. And yet here he is. And where is he worshiping? Outside the enemy camp. And I think about the great psalmist that says, the Lord prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And your rod and your staff, they are with me. His rod and staff, not my mighty army, his rod and staff, his ability to be strong, his ability to keep me, his ability to do through me what I can't do through myself. He has the ability to do that in me if I'll hear. The great friend of ours, he's passed on, but he always took that Romans verse about faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That he says there's different kinds of hearing. There's hearing that just hits your eardrums, and then there's hearing that hits your spirit. And that's the hearing that Gideon needed. He'd been hearing God saying, I'm going to do this for you, I'm going to win for you, I'm going to win. But he kept seeing. He heard 22,000 people left. He saw a vast army. But he heard in his spirit what God was really saying, which is, I'm greater than all of this, Gideon. The enemy knows you, and they are afraid of you. And Gideon wasn't the only chosen one. If you ever read the story like a couple weeks ago, when they're going in to face Jericho, the whole land had heard of the Israelites, and they were terrified. God is greater against big foes, against giants, against walled cities, against everything we're going to face. God is greater. He's greater than all of our fears, all that mess. The question is, we've got to get back to living that way. And it's not easy. Because it brings us right up to, am I going to trust? Am I going to go? Am I going to hear? Or am I going to scoot back? Because this could have ended completely different if he had crawled up to the edge of that hill and looked over and said, I think we got the wrong hill. You, you guys see how many men are down there? You, and we just sent 22,000 home. This doesn't make any sense. I didn't hear from God correctly. We need to take some time. Let's go back. Let's call everybody back together. We're going to figure this out because there's got to be a different way than this. Either this is the wrong valley or I didn't hear correctly. And I think we talk ourselves out of the great things that God wants to do in us. I think he t- we talk ourselves out of the challenges because they look too big. But in those big things, our faith grows and God gets the glory. Now the question is, do you want Him to get the glory? Or do you want the glory? Now we like glory. We are, we are people that eat up glory. Especially today, we just love it. We want to heap it on us. But I'm here to tell you, God deserves the glory. And as we shrink back, as the church shrinks back from giving God glory, I'm not talking that the church is shrinking in numbers. Sometimes I believe the church is getting bigger, but we're giving Him less glory. Sometimes we've got to get it down to those that are really ready to see the greatness of God, that are scared and shaken, but we're going to go anyway. The people... 
that aren't the bow-downers to do what culture is doing. They're the people. They're going to keep their eyes focused on God. They're going to people. They're going to hear with their heart and their spirit, not just their ears. To see the great things that God wants to do. And it requires us to step up. It takes a lot of faith to say to this mountain, be removed. The Bible said it takes faith so big, it's the size of a mustard seed. That doesn't sound like great faith to me, but for some of us, that's great faith. And if you're there, that's a good starting place. Because your simple little seed in the hands of God produces great things. He goes back. He returns to the camp of Israel. And in my mind, I believe those 300 are saying, please let him change his mind. Please let him change his mind. Please let him change his mind. But Israel comes back, I believe, or Gideon comes back, a new Gideon. He's heard what he needed to hear. He's worshipped God. He's got his heart, his mind, and his spirit aligned with what God has asked him to do. And he comes back as a different Gideon. And look what he says. Arise! He could have come back and said, Boys, I don't know what God was thinking, but I guess we better trust Him. He comes back as if there was three people in the valley. (laughs) He's like, Get up, guys. For the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hands. Guys, he's already got the battle, and that is not a new story as well. God has said this again and again. Align yourself. Get yourself ready for war. And then watch as God delivers the people into your hands. Again and again and again. And sometimes they had to fight, and sometimes they got to watch. But God did what he said he was going to do because God is greater. Arise. Let's go take the camp. They've delivered them into your hands. Ask yourself this morning if he is greater. And I'll tell you, yes. He's greater than our fear. He is greater than what we think. He is greater than what we see. He is greater than our power. He is greater than our sin and our shame. He is greater than our enemies. And He's even greater than our limitations and our imaginations. My Bible says He can do abundantly, exceedingly more than we could ever ask or think. That's bigger than my imagination. That's bigger than your imagination. It's bigger than how we perceive it's going to go. And God will bring us up to that point where we've got to say, well, I step out like Peter out of the boat on the water. Will you step out? But you've got to ask for yourself, just like Gideon had to, am I going to trust him? Am I going to let him be greater by showing that I can't do it, but he can? I can't get my whole family saved. He can. I may not be able to undo the mess that's happened in relationships, but He can. 
I may not be able to break the addiction in somebody else's life, but he can. I can't break the bondage chains on people that have been having this issue again and again, but he can. And there was a time that I believe God is not through yet. There was a time in the church not long ago where faith was different because we didn't have all the stuff we have today. Men and women of God that couldn't afford new technology, and there wasn't even new technology when they had problems and pains and kidney stones and issues, and they walked the floor and prayed and believed in a big God that He was greater than whatever was going on in their life. And sometimes it went smooth, and sometimes it didn't. But it didn't change that He is greater. And it's time for us to allow our faith to be bigger than our excuses. If God is for you, who can be against you? If God in you is greater than He who is in the world, it doesn't mean that you don't look out and see the whole world against you, but He is greater. And we've got to dial that, I guess you could call it grit, fortitude, guts, determination, just a knowing that you know. And it doesn't matter what the odds are. And it doesn't matter what you see. What matters is what you've heard. God can get you saved. God can save your family. God can heal your disease. God can restore your marriage. God can bring your children back. God can break bondages. He can because He is greater. But all you got to do is flip it in your head at the math and flip the problem from the greater to the lesser side. Isn't that amazing? That's how easy it is with God. You make me greater and we'll just flip that equation around. And it goes from hopeless to hope just like that. Isn't that amazing? When you're in great position, He's not. He's lesser to you. And you flip it. Cancer is greater. No, God is greater than cancer. God is greater than depression. God is greater than my addiction. God is greater than my feeble prayer life. I don't have to pray good. I just have to pray and believe. God is greater. And believe me, church, the world is ready to see greatness. And not from a president. And not... From a politician. They're ready to see greatness on the job. They're ready to see greatness on your campus. They're ready to see greatness shine through one person who isn't going to let fear and their own insecurity and the odds laid against them hold them back. And then God gets the glory. But if we have to wait till we're 3,000 strong, and if we have to wait till I feel like I can move mountains with my prayers, and if we have to wait till I've got enough money and got enough time and got my life right, you'll never do it. And God understands right where you're at. He showed you that through Gideon. If you're afraid, then let me tell you what you need to hear. And I'm just part of that process this morning. I'm here, not as your enemy, I'm not the Midianite, but I'm here to remind you of what God has said so that you hear 
instead of seeing, 